0: Chapter 11 of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter 11 Betty meets young Mr. Minturn. While Betty was dressing the next morning, she thought over the events of the day and evening before, and she wished from the bottom of her heart that she could pay for her dinner and be free from obligation to her unwilling hostess why that old lady is as bad as miriam and caroline were at the pines she exclaimed brushing her hair so vigorously that the ivory brush was glittering with many golden spirals betty felt indeed as if she had returned to those days in the boarding-school where unknown and poorly dressed she had excited the same feeling of snobbishness in the minds of some of the rich girls now it's a woman of eighty think of it eighty and because I'm a working girl betty shook her head wonderingly puzzled beyond the depth of her girlish understanding of human nature eighty and not to see any more clearly than girls of sixteen while mr minturne had been courteous and friendly she felt that she would not be a guest until mrs minturne had shown her ordinary civility betty could not deceive herself into believing that old age was the cause of madame minturne's ignoring her she had shown plainly and unmistakably that she would disregard every business friend of that eccentric niece of hers who knew everybody betty had heard her say the evening before such a proud old lady said betty half aloud her eyes still seeing the quaint old figure sitting stiffly erect on the great sofa enveloped in its shawls and the lace cap decorated with cherry-colored ribbons all awry so old she looked across the valley to where the sun was breaking through the delicate pearly clouds above the hilltops tipping them with red and the whole countryside was wakening and stirring and flickering in the perfect june morning but betty's eyes were still on the old madam i should think such old people would have more serious things to think about she felt that old age itself should be the cure for all levity and faults she turned from the window and with a last look into the mirror to see that her hair was neat and her belt in place she walked downstairs betty's healthy young thoughts now began to turn to breakfast yet she felt she could not eat another meal under this inhospitable roof she was in a quandary miss minturne had told her that her uncle and aunt always had their morning coffee and rolls in their own rooms and as she was very tired she would follow their example and that betty should not wait for her no one would miss her thought betty and she decided at once that she would walk down to the crossroads and find her breakfast at the tiny shop she had noticed there as she drove up to the manor house what would my mother think if she knew that my hostess had not said good-night to me if i were only like mother sighed betty she says a lady can never be insulted but i can't fold my hands i must fly off and do something when things are horrid usually it could be said of betty as the impulsive colonial governor burnett said of himself i act first and think afterwards she walked briskly down the broad yellow road lined with venerable trees youthful-looking in their budding foliage if she weren't so old well i will just have to grin and bear it as jack says only i think if it keeps up very long i will be like the cheshire cats nothing but my grin will be left at the store she bought fresh rolls and a glass of milk and had a really picnicky breakfast the shop was kept by a pleasant old countrywoman who looked at betty with unconcealed admiration and curiosity have you a room here which you could rent me for the night asked betty abruptly bless your heart ain't you the young lady i seen goin up to the great house yesterday yes but there isn't room enough for me said betty impulsively adding to herself hotly no not enough room to breathe in betty's indignation kindled anew at every thought of remaining under madame minturne's roof i didn't know as how they had so much company up there muttered the old woman evidently puzzled at so many guests having passed her shop without being seen must have come at night but i did n't hear em this reason was painfully unsatisfactory to the old gossip but had to content her until her daughter a maid at the manor should come down at nightfall and tell all the news of the house betty was quite unconscious of her perplexity this has been a delicious breakfast she said smiling down at the old shopwoman bent with age and work who was like a child by the tall girl's side please let me come tonight of course of course she replied a bell above the door tinkled and a customer came in as betty went out she almost stumbled over a little girl who was playing with a rag doll on the doorstep she chatted with her for a few moments then walked light-heartedly back towards the manor house her spirit keyed up to its old blithesomeness by the bracing air the songs of the early birds the dainty breakfast and by the relief that came with the knowledge that now she would no longer be obliged to tax an inhospitable hospitality as she walked back however at times slowly then more hurriedly to keep pace with her thoughts there came suddenly the deciding light that so often comes quite unexpectedly after a long pursuit and with no apparent association with previous ideas why she could not do this thing it would surely hurt miss minturne who was kindness and goodness and lovableness itself oh she would not hurt her for all the proud old ladies in the world no nor for all the proud young hearts in the world either it came to her forcefully that pride and resentment should give way before love why what has become of my golden rule asked betty smiling to herself as a man might ask for his compass when lost in the woods i determine never never to remember mr Webby. and now here's my first chance for a new start and off i go if i could only remember in time she hurried back to the old storekeeper and recalled her engagement of the room She had paid for it in advance, but as the woman seemed very poor, Betty refused to take back the money. Her second thoughts were apt to be rather expensive. Again she started for Minturn Manor, pausing at one place to pick up a forlorn little mongrel pup that looked as if it had never before been held tenderly in human arms. "'I fear, puppy, that you and I will never be noble characters.' She said smiling down brightly at the dog who put out a paw and touched her arm as delicately sympathetic as if he were a king charles spaniel I've wanted to be a noble character I've wanted to overcome resentment but it's awfully hard puppy isn't it The dog looked up into her laughing eyes with all the solemnity of puptom which knows a thing or two especially that life is no laughing matter no matter what light-minded sunny haired girls may think to the contrary i will confide this to you puppy i am a noble character at least for the remainder of the day and i can now meet the lady of the manor though she won't know it with proper dignity it would be a pity if a truly noble character even if only a temporary one could n't stand a little snubbing for a friend when she reached the entrance gate no one was to be seen and she stopped to survey the house anyway she thought with youthful inconsequence and pride the noble character momentarily in eclipse ours is almost as handsome as this and maybe this one has a mortgage on it too the mere thought made her feel a sudden warmth it would be impossible to be resentful towards people with a mortgage but the remembrance of what miss minturne had said about their wealth nipped that in the bud i'll try not to be beholden to them or to intrude on madam she said as she walked up the steps she stopped a moment to admire the exquisite old fan lights and i'll try to enjoy it all just then the dog slipped from her arms to bark wildly at the gardener who was coming around the corner of the house betty made her way into the drawing-room hoping that miss minturne had come down but found it deserted save by the sunbeams that played on the beautiful old carpet she could not resist making a curtsy to the portraits as she walked around examining the quaint gowns of the ladies and the plum-coloured coats and yellow or scarlet waistcoats of the men finally she came to the one opposite which she had sat the evening before the portrait of the grandson madame minturne's discourtesy had so discolored things that betty could not now see the portrait in the pleasing light she had when she talked about it with the loving grandfather now as she looked at it there came back to her a sentiment she had heard madame minturne express with great emphasis in her conversation with miss minturne "I'd be perfectly willing to be a lady jane grey to be queen for a day would you be willing to be beheaded to be king for just one day betty demanded of the portrait in an undertone the frank blue eyes smiled reassuringly back into her dark ones even then betty forgot the grandfather's words my grandson is a true american i am not at all sure of you young man she continued smiling oh you are good-looking i will grant that betty turned to look out of the window the blue eyes followed her she looked back but you have your grandmother's high nose she found a sort of defiant pleasure in speaking aloud for the room was still dominated by the spirit of madame her hands were loosely clasped behind her back and the sunbeams found congenial places to play hide-and-seek in her golden brown hair making the halo that little dotty had once called a hoop like the ladies in the picture as she pointed to the madonna and betty's hoop had become a playful household word in the baird home indeed this same hoop had caused a poetic youth one of jack's harvard chums to liken her to aurora the morning being rather cool betty had put on her simple white flannel dress and in her belt she had stuck a bunch of crimson roses if the poetic junior had been there he no doubt would have said some sophomoric thing about rosy aurora for her face was bright and beautiful and glowing with perfect health she stood before the portrait for some time waiting for miss then she gave it a last look saying in a low voice but with a distinctness that her pent-up feelings gave snob this was her final decision regarding the perplexing face and she turned away determined not to be pleased with a minturne, turned away so abruptly that she precipitated herself almost into the arms of why gasped betty springing back in confusion looking from the man into whose arms she had nearly fallen to the portrait no i didn't step down from my frame he said courteously yet smiling like a man who enjoyed a joke though really now don't you think that cruel word might produce just such a result oh exclaimed betty the blood crimsoning her face pardon me i did n't know she could not finish the sentence and stood quiet hoping for some way out of the predicament then with a flash despite her feeling of awkwardness she said I don't feel that even that word would justify your haunting anyone no queried the stranger as if considering an abstruse problem young mr minturn did not continue for betty had walked towards the window contriving while listening courteously to put the damper of finality on the conversation simply by a few steps there was silence betty gazed out of the window and tried to think and the youthful diplomat discovered that his tact was not in this emergency up to its mark so this is the scion thought betty as all her friends knew betty loved a coincidence and reserved certain pages in her commonplace book for those from her own life or from the life of others that she knew were authentic and here was a coincidence that seemed to her to outrank any in the marble covered book betty stared unseeingly into the garden mr minturne remained standing where she had left him gazing fatuously at his own portrait why it was miss minturne's blessed voice why she repeated with inspiration and expiration of surprise as she hastened down the length of the room It's lawrence minturne himself minturne swung around at the sound of her voice isabel he hurried forward and grasped her hands in his the scion loves miss minturne i can tell that by his voice said betty to herself and the scion went up some pegs in her estimation why what is betty baird doing standing with her back to the room exclaimed miss minturne isn't this delightful lawrence has stolen a march on us here he is and here am i such a pleasant coincidence miss minturne hurried on she stepped to the sofa and pulled betty down beside her characteristically miss minturne was so wholly charmed with this meeting with a cousin she admired that she did not at once notice any constraint in betty or mr minturne when they were seated minturne sat opposite his portrait though it seemed to exert an unpleasant influence over him it attracted him against his will to study it to see just why this stranger should label it as she had miss minturn talked animatedly with her cousin who got up abruptly and turned his back on the portrait leaning against the mantelpiece and looking down at them this gave betty time to think out a plan for luncheon she decided to go out for a walk and get lost no that would not do for miss minturne would be worried oh she had an engagement to lunch with the old woman down the road as she heard madame minturne coming downstairs betty explained rather incoherently to miss minturne that she would not be back for luncheon and slipped from the house end of chapter eleven recording by holly jensen